Well, good morning. Man, it's been a while since I've been here. It's good to see you guys. Jackson's been teaching a bunch. And now that you're sick of him, they threw me up here. <clears throat> now, you know, it's been uh, one of the joys of being part of this uh, fellowship and being on the pastoral staff and, and uh, just sharing in the ministry is, uh, is we get opportunities to refresh and to be in the Lord. And so I had just the privilege... Uh, Mostly in this month, just to be away with my family and take some vacation time and rest. And, and it's great to know that Jackson uh, is a brother by my side who will teach. And then Jackson, by the way, Thursday and Jeannie and uh, Jackie and Jordan, all the J's, uh, they're going to be heading off to Indonesia, which you may or may not know. And so we really want to be lifting them up that God will do a great work. They're going to go and minister uh, with the Armstrongs over there and just... Uh, we just pray that God will really use them. And so Jackson's going to be gone for a while doing that, and he's going to take some, some vacation time. So you will be sick of me really soon. And, uh, but it's just a joy. And uh, just excited again to be here and be teaching in the Word. We're going to be in uh, Thessalonians this morning. And as we uh, are in Second Thessalonians, and the next week is going to be actually our, our last week uh, in Thessalonians, and we'll be wrapping up. And then we're going to head into the book of James. I'll be starting a series with you guys in the book of James. So be prepared for that. It's a good, good summer study. Uh, Henry Nouwen, who some of you are familiar with, is a uh, theologian and uh, was a professor uh, of divinity. And he ended up actually working at a place that uh, ministered to handicapped uh, people for years. He's a prolific writer. And uh, many of you who've read his works have been blessed uh, by him. One time he was being interviewed, he was at Yale uh, Divinity School, and he was ministering uh, there. And a young man came to actually to interview him. He worked with a newspaper, and he wanted to write an article about the ministry of Henry Nouwen. And he, Henry Nouwen was involved in the community, and, and so he just kind of wanted to find out about this man. And so as he spent time with him, the young man's name was Fred. And uh, Fred spent a lot of time with him. And Fred was uh, just a good pagan, uh, just a, a man who lived his own life. And he started to, to rub shoulders with Henry Nouwen and, and hear about who he was in the Lord. And then Henry would hang out with Fred and all Fred's buddies down at the bar and get to know them and enter into their world. And a lot of them were... Uh, young students, uh, mid-twenties, and, and uh, just hanging out, trying to figure out life. And so one day, as Fred really appreciated Henry now, he said, you know what, Henry, he says, you're here at the Divinity School, and you're, and you're preaching this message of Christianity to a bunch of people who know Christ. And he goes, do you think there's any way that you could figure out a way to communicate what you're teaching your students, but to us, to those who are not really godly people. Can you figure out a way to, to tell us about how you live life, but in a way that we might understand? And then, you know, one of these weeks, would you come and, and uh, give that to us? An invitation to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Henry Nouwen spent quite some time, and he was trying to figure out, what am I going to tell these uh, young adults who don't know the Lord, yet they're searching for something? 
And so what he ended up doing, he came back to Fred. He goes, you know, Fred, I, I spent a lot of time praying over what I would say to you. And he goes, God kept just putting one thing on my heart. One thing that I felt like you needed to know about who you are. And that one word is, is beloved. That somehow in the whole scheme of life, you need to know that you are beloved. You need to know that there's a God who radically loves you. This whole Bible is this whole love story of relationship, his desire for relationship with you. And Fred, so I want to come and share that with your friends. And maybe they haven't felt so beloved in this life, but they are. That God created each and every one. And so this morning as we study in Thessalonians, I really pray that you will know that you are beloved. That you are loved by God. No matter what, in all that's going on in this world, that God radically loves you. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we can't even thank you enough for your gift of grace. We can't thank you enough for how much you love us. And Father, I really do. I pray this morning that your spirit would fill this room with your incredible, unbelievable, amazing, radical love for us. Would we truly know through the truth of your word, through the work of your spirit in our lives, that no matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, the sin that we've sinned against you, we were the ones crying out to put you on the cross. May we know that we are forgiven. May we know that we're your children. May we truly know how much you love us. In your beautiful and precious name, amen. You know, as we come to the end of uh, Thessalonians, I want to remind you a little bit of, of where we've been and some of the themes that play out in this book. One of the themes that we see over and over again in First and Second Thessalonians is that we truly are living in light of the end times. We, we are living in a world, and guess what? This is not it. This is not the full story. Man, there is heaven. And we live in light of the joy and the hope of eternity with God. And with the Lord, we will have that time where we fellowship with Him forever, which just blows your mind, that we get to rejoice in Him. But this world is not all there is to offer. And so as he loves the Thessalonians and as he encourages them, as Paul does that, he wants to remind them, guess what, there's more to the story. And so in everything that we face, in every little detail of our lives, it all is in, in light of eternity. And I hope you hold on to that. I really do. We all need to. As we look at our world and, you know, bust open the paper every day, right? And it's a crazy, crazy world we live in. And lives are falling apart all around us, and it's uh, full of pain and trial. And Paul encourages, and I encourage us as a body, that we remember 
Ah, there's more to the story. And thank God for that, huh? And then he also reminds us, he brings in, he brings in encouragement often, exhortation to, to stay strong. That the Lord's got you. He's got you in his hands. Stand firm, he uses a lot. Hold on, he uses often. We'll see it again in the text this morning. And you know what the one thing that we see actually is a theme, but it's a theme of, of omission. Which is he never in all of these books says, and, and may God take you out of this. May he take you out of the mess. The encouragement is right in the middle of the junk. You hold on. Because God has your life. And he's doing this work in our lives that is unbelievable. He's making us more and more like Jesus Christ. Isn't that great? Every day as we choose to follow the Lord, we start to become more like him. Isn't that true? Through the power of the Holy Spirit as he transforms us. You know, and you think of your sin yesterday and you go, well, maybe it's not so true. But then you go, no, no, no. God's cleansed me of that. I'm becoming more like him. And we move on in the strength of the Lord. And he reminds them of the power of the word. He reminds them of God's truth. That we cannot get away from his truth because everywhere around them are people offering different messages of how to have hope and how to have life. And he keeps exhorting them to stay away from such teachings and don't believe the lie that's going on around you. And we get it all around us today. Especially that power of positive thinking. That you can do it. Try hard enough. God wants better things for you. He wants you to have happy life. I don't see that necessarily in Scripture. I see life full of joy in the midst of the pain, but joy in the Lord. Don't believe the lies. So we need to know truth. And Jackson encouraged us last week to to be in the Word, to continue a, a discipline, a lifestyle of, because I want to know Jesus more. So I study and learn about who he is in my life. And then, you know, the other thing that we see, which is so beautiful in, this, in these two books, but you see this incredible relationship with the Thessalonians. <clears throat> and it blows my mind. You go, we, we have some idea that maybe he was three months at the most with the Thessalonian church. Three months. And yet this incredible, intimate Love, passion, zeal, desire for his brothers and sisters to keep growing in the Lord. A relationship that that you and I would just thirst for. Deep, connected. And you know what it made me think about as far as us, Cole Community Church? It it just kind of brought to mind the Lord. It's like, you know, let's just stop wasting time. We, we, We waste time. We waste time just doing stuff on our own. We don't, we don't pursue each other. You know, I love, just last Sunday, you know, after church, someone invited us out to lunch, and there were six of us together, and we're sitting around having lunch. And I, I just delighted in just spending time with these folks. I don't spend a ton of time with these folks, so I got I to gotta know them uh, just much better, just over two hours of lunch. And just kind of drew us together in our hearts and we talked about what God's doing in our lives. And it just drew my heart towards 
folks in this body. We are a family of Christ, are we not? And yet sometimes we, we try to live like islands, and I just don't get that. And I think God's been convicting me, and, and I hope he convicts you as well, that we need to reach out to one another. We are a family. And let's enjoy each other and the life of God in each of us. Because you know what the truth is? God is working in each of us. And so we all have a story to tell. That's the joy of life together. And you know what was really great? We're sitting here, and this is what happens when we enter in with each other's life. So we're sitting here, we're having lunch, and, and this one couple, actually they're fairly new to the church, and they're just a delight. We, we met them uh, several months ago at one of the newcomer meetings that we had. And so they, um, I go, hey, tell me what's been going on uh, with your life lately. How's, are you adjusting to Boise? They go, yeah, we love, you know, they love this church, which is a good thing to hear. Uh, they love being here. And uh, they love the community. And, and uh, they go, but actually we've been out of work for three months as we've come from California and tried to start up our, our uh, job, our, our business here. It just isn't taken off just yet. But they said this, but you know what? We know God has something good in store for us. We know he's got our lives. And so actually we're doing just fine as far as things that matter go. And it encouraged my faith. I went, man, Lord, can I have faith like that, please? Would you help me? To go, you know what, I'm out of work for three months, but God, you've got me. And we know you have something in store for us. Why? Because we know we're your children. And we know you love us. And we know that your scripture says, why do you worry about these things? Don't you know that I take care of the lilies of the field and the the birds of the sky and Don't you know how much more valuable you are than those things? Don't you know I will provide for you? And so this couple, as they share their life, they reminded me of how much God has his hand on us. And the Thessalonians and Paul had this relationship of the life of God working in us. You know something we used to do? We, the Guffsasons actually kind of got this started years ago, and, and uh, I just loved it. I was part of it several times, but we used to do this uh, uh, supper for six or just a, a gathering. Six people, somebody would host it at their house, and six people would come over, and we would just uh, share lunch or dinner together. And so here's the deal. And I'm just telling you this because God put it on my heart, and so therefore I get to be up front, so I get to share it. <laughs> But listen, I really want to do that again. And, and I want you to actually, if, if some of you are interested in just helping me to do that, uh, would you call me and just, hey, we want to open up our home, and then we'll put out some homes out in the foyer, and we'll have six people sign up to show up. It doesn't have to be fancy. Just some soup, maybe a salad, piece of bread. It's all good. But let's, let's not waste time. Let's have life together. And let's get to know one another and, and reach out. And if you're, if you're an introvert, it's time to step out. God doesn't allow introverts. It's time for you to, to move out of your shell. All right? Because he loves relationship, and he wants you to have relationship with one another. That's what God's been doing with the church of Thessalonica, and he has been teaching forth his good news. Second Thessalonians 2, 13. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God chose you to be saved 
through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. And through belief in the truth. And he called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. He basically says, you know, but we ought to give thanks for you. But what he, what he really says in the original language is, we are bound. We are bound up. We are tight. We're like a prisoner, but we're shackled to God. Like Paul always says, I'm a, I'm a bond servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a good person to be shackled to. He says, we're bound because of who God is to give thanks for you. We can't, we can't do anything else but give thanks for what God is doing in your life. And so we must give glory to the one who deserves glory for what is going on within you. You know, I was sitting with a neighbor the other day, and uh, you know what's fun about summer is we all come out of hibernation, you know? And I actually have some dear friends, the Strangs over here, they're neighbors of mine, and we get to see them now in the summertime. They come out of their, their, little, their little hole. And, uh, and now there's flowers everywhere, and it's really nice. And uh, Debbie does a nice job, Harry, huh? Yeah. So beautiful home, but we get to see each other. But, so all the neighbors come out, and, and, and I'm talking with one of my neighbors the other day, and he comes out, and he's just, he, they love the Lord. Uh, I think they're fairly young in their faith, but they love the Lord. And they're just a delight, the delightful neighbors. And uh, so he comes up to me, and he's like, Rod, he's all, you know, I'm just, and I'm, trimming, I'm trying to trim my tree, you know? And so he steps right in the middle of that. Rod, I just want to tell you, I'm like, I've got to finish the tree, you know? So he's like, I just want to tell you something. The... Uh, I was at church the other day, and, and I was just hearing about the love of the Lord. And, and uh, uh, he goes, I started reading this book, uh, Transforming Grace by Bridges. And uh, he goes, have you read that book? I'm like, yeah, I've read the book. And, uh, he, and then he, starts to, he just starts to cry. Starts to cry. And he, he's all, I just am blown away. I'm blown away by the grace of God in my life. He just couldn't handle it. It was just so overwhelming. You know, where I've been and all that, you know, my life's been through, and yet God still loves me, and, and that God is doing this great work. And it's like, it's like the Holy Spirit just came upon him and, and just started to radically change his life. You know, people who maybe, like some of us, we just go to church, but we just go to church. And we never let God do any work in our lives because we still want to live independent lives. But it's like the Holy Spirit got a hold of them. And, you know, and, and, and he's just crying. And then he just, like, jumped on me, literally, and he just gave me the biggest hug. And he's just like, man, you know, God is good. And, and it's just good to have you as a neighbor, and it's good to be able to share the Lord with you. I could do nothing but walk away and, and praise God for who he is in our lives. Is that the kind of relationships we have? We are followers of Jesus. And, and do you understand there's more than just this church? I mean, you get the bigger picture. There's this whole community of believers. And he says, we, we, we are bound to give thanks for who you are. We, we just love you. And, and what he says is, and we can't miss this. He says, we're bound to give thanks for you, brothers, loved by the Lord. Just a little sentence thrown in there. Loved by the Lord. Agape loved by the Lord. 
There is nothing more that the Lord wants you to know than I absolutely love you and I offer you salvation through my Son, Jesus Christ, so that we might have relationship and I just love you. And I want you to experience my love fully. I want you to experience my forgiveness. That's who we are. And that he delights in who we are. I want you to turn with me to Romans 8. And I know you're familiar with this passage. But you know what? I just think, again, we forget it. And it's, uh, it just reminds us again of who we are in Christ. And we sang about it just a little bit here a second ago. Romans chapter 8. And by the way, we're going to be getting into Romans too. After James, we're doing a New Testament kind of run. We did a bunch of Exodus. We thought that was a pretty healthy dose of, of Old Testament for a season. And we're gonna, we want to get into some good doctrine, some foundational things of who we are in Jesus. Romans is the best foundation for, again, doctrine. What, what does God really have and say and how are we to live? And who are we in Jesus Christ? And so we just really felt led that, you know, as a body, let's do that together. Let's really... Let's really remember and hold on to who we are in Christ. <clears throat> Romans 8, starting in, uh, let's start in, uh, let's see, where am I here? 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, and I know you're going through it, shall hardship or persecution or Famine or nakedness or danger or the sword. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long and are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, and I hope we are as a body of Christ. I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all of creation, not even ourselves, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you understand who you are? You're beloved. And there's nothing that separates us out from the love of God. He will continue to pursue us. To change us, to mold us into him. That we are more like him every day. We are loved by him. And then it says, and this is what's so cool in his love for us. And let's not get caught up in predestination in this next section, okay? Because... It's something I don't understand. And if you figure it out, then praise God, write another book. All right? We're not getting into that. It's just the joy of who the Lord is. From the beginning, God chose you because he loves you. It it has a foundational word. You know what the word, it's kind of an interesting word. It was fun to study it because it's uh, in John 15. Do you remember in John 15, the vine and the branches? I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, I remain in you. I, I cut off every branch that does not bear fruit. And there, there's a Greek word there, it's iro. It actually has the image of, I don't cut off, I, I lift up. I tie into the vine so that it might produce fruit. 
It has that idea of getting you out of the, <clears throat> excuse me, out of the mud and the muck, so you might have life. It's the same word used here. I choose you. It has that root word of Iro. And it's really cool. I choose and I desire. I want to lift you up out of the muck. I choose you because I love you. And down there in the mud where you can't grow, that's not where you want to be. I know it. And so I lift you up. I choose you to be in relationship with me. And his desire is what? I choose you from the beginning of time. Same word used in, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning. From the beginning of it all, God chose us. God chose us to be saved. His desire is that none should perish, but that all should have salvation. Right? We know that to be true in the scriptures. And so we live in light of truth that none should perish. My longing, this is why I sent my son from the beginning of time. Mankind chose to live in rebellion to me and sin. But I want salvation because I want relationship because I love you beyond anything you could ever know. And I want you to have life. And so he chooses us to be lifted up, to be saved into a love relationship with him. How? Through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, God sends a Son, and God sends the Holy Spirit, and Jesus says, hey, listen, it's better that I should go so that the Holy Spirit will come into your lives, and He's going to be your comforter, and He's going to be your counselor, but I need to go so that He'll come and minister to you. He says, from the beginning of time, I had this whole plan of salvation through this work of the Holy Spirit, and what He's doing is he's working on each of our lives, isn't he? And then for those of you who know, who have no relationship with Jesus Christ, and if you're here this morning, I'm just telling you something. You can't get away from God pursuing you because you're his creation. And so the work of the Holy Spirit is he comes after us and he's working in our hearts and he's trying to help us see how much he loves us. He's trying to help us live life that is good, life that is pleasing. We are here to worship God. And so he's ministering to us. And it's always good news for us because, again, those that we pray for, you need to know something, that God is working through his Holy Spirit to minister to their hearts, to remind them that there is a way of salvation through his son, Jesus. And then here's the other part of it, though. So God's work, and nothing would happen without God doing his work. We can't save ourselves. We know that. It's not enough good works. We can't do it. But God's work in us. And so he goes in and he works and he says, man's part is this. And we've got to understand that part of this is on us. God, nothing without God, but that we step in. And so he says, brothers, listen, God chose you for the sanctifying work of the spirit and through belief in the truth. That we finally came to a point where we said, you know, as Jesus ministered to my life, as the Holy Spirit ministered, I believe it. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that He died on the cross for my sin. I believe that He rose again. And that He offers life to anyone who will receive Him as Lord and Savior. 
Salvation. I believe it. And now because I believe it, I live it out. I want to know what he has for my life. And so he says the spirit is working and man has to come to a point where he says, I believe. In the truth of the word of God. In who he is and his son. And then he says this. Look at verse 15. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold on to the teachings that we passed on to you, whether by word or by mouth or by letter. And may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, our father, who loved us. Don't miss that again. Who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. May he encourage your hearts. And may he strengthen you in every good word and deed. In light of everything that I just told you about who God is in your life, in contrast to those who are perishing, the ones who chose not to believe, that God is working. The the thing that can happen now is the Holy Spirit is working in your life. Paul encourages them and he says, listen, now hold on and stand firm. Stand firm in the truth of who Jesus is, that he has your life, that he's in control, that he's changing, that he will protect you, that he is the one who loves you. Stand firm on these things. I think of uh, mountain climbers when I think of this. I think of holding on. And I had a few images. Hold on to the foundation. Be secured in that. Hold on. Do not let go. You know, we, were, we had the mother, we had the mother, uh, uh, son family night uh, a little while ago. And uh, I love my sister, Jeannie Kramer. She's awesome. She, she was doing, the, they had a rock wall. And she was doing uh, the rock wall. And, and I was belaying uh, her with the rope. And, uh, and Jeannie, um, Jeannie was starting to come down. And uh, she kind of got stuck at one point. And it's like, Jeannie, just let go. And she's like, no way. No way. And she held on and held, she held on with one hand. She's getting tired and she's holding on and she's holding on. And, and the goal is to, hey, you know, try, we got you. But she would not let go. She had this firm grasp that just was like, I will not let go. She had a bad mountain climbing experience. And so it, it played out on this rock wall, which is there's no way I'm letting go. That's the image. You grasp on so hard you will never let go out of your hand that which I have brought to you. The truth of who Jesus is. Never let it go. Because it's your foundation, it's your source. Never let go. And when we choose to let go, this is what happens. Upside down. Barely hanging on. Let go of the rope and and you end up in a situation you go, how did I get here? How did I get here? But you know what's wonderful about the Lord? He's doing this work. He says, I don't want you to let go because I want you to stand firm and I want you to experience my glory. And when we do, here's the outcome. We stand on the firm foundation and we praise God for his glory. We say, God, you are in control of my life. God, you are the rock of my salvation. God, you are my rock. You are my firm foundation. As the psalmist cries out, and so he encourages us, stand firm, because life is going crazy. You know who we need to be praying for to stand firm? There's 3,000 Christians in Gaza, Israel. 
1.4 million Muslims. And there's been all kinds of attacks on these 3,000 Christians just in the last week. It's been going on, but it just is getting really heavy. And as I was reading this in the paper, I just prayed that for him. Lord, help him to stand firm. You know, the, the initial deal, and it's scary, and I don't take light of their lives, but it's like, well, let's just get out. But it's the oldest Christian community, one of the oldest in the world. And now they're just being pushed out by attacks. Paul's always going, guess what? You're going to deal with this. Peter's like, why are you surprised by these things? Hold on. And so pray, seriously, pray for your brothers and sisters in Gaza. 3,000 of them, that's the remnant. That they might be able to permeate that community. That they would hold on to Jesus Christ. Hold on to his strength that he has their lives. Hold on like Jacob grasping the heel of Esau. Hold on like Jesus says, and nothing will grasp you out of my hand. And he's calling us to hold on to his truth. He's calling us to hold on to what is real. Because there's all kinds of people who are going to infiltrate and try to bring you other kinds of truth. And I don't want you to be swayed, he says. I don't want you to go back and forth. I don't want you to be ones who are moved around like the wind. But you hold firm to truth. We're so easily moved. We want to live out life in our own strength, in our own power, and, and with a truth that feels good. You know, Jackson said he Googled, you know, what, what, what feels good? And there's hundreds of things. You know, I just want to encourage you guys in, in all this as the Lord is moving. You know, one of the things that we come into, for example, is, is uh, I do a lot of weddings for young couples, and, and uh, you know, they just love each other, and, and they really are, you know, it's going to be a great marriage and stuff like that. But somewhere along the way, they get into their mind like, you know what, we want to be intimate with each other. And we're going to get married anyway. So let's be intimate. And somewhere in their mind, they try to make that seem like, you know, God, God would be all right with that. Because we love each other. And there's whisperings in our community and everywhere we are that that's fine. You're going to be married and everything's good. And then you go, you know what? I know you guys love each other. I know you guys are going to be married. That's not what God has for you. I'm not here to judge you. I'm not the judge. God is. But God says in Hebrews, hey, I want you to to keep your marriage bed pure. I want you to honor your marriage. I want you to honor each other's bodies because they're my bodies that are a gift to each other as you covenant in marriage. And that's what I have for you. And when you live that way, you get to stand on that rock and you say, thank you, Lord, this honeymoon is awesome. Instead of, well, honeymoon was nice. We already kind of spent our time together and it was okay. Good time to get away. You know, we just, subtle lies, right? Subtle lies that whisper in us. And the enemy's working on us, trying to whisper in us. And the thing we need to hold on to is that God, excuse me, is doing his work in us and teaching us. And he wants us to hold on to truth and not to let go of it. To realize our resource, which is in Jesus Christ. To realize 
that the Holy Spirit can help us to hold on to be strong. And he finishes up with this. Finally, and as many of you hear that, I know some of you just woke up right there. Finally, all the sermon must be over. Not quite, almost. Brothers, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. Pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For not everyone has faith, but the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen and he will protect you from the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord that you are what you are doing and will continue to do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and to Christ's perseverance. He's saying, pray for this. We are trying to bring out the good news of Jesus Christ. And, and it's a wonderful word. It says, pray that the word of God may run freely. May it run freely into people's lives. There's evil men who are trying to stop it on the way. And we're praying that God will, will let his word run freely. It's not about them, right? It's not, and God take us out of, of being attacked. It's we want God's word to go forth. And so pray. Because some who say they have faith don't have faith. But we know this, that God is faithful. And he will strengthen us. And he will encourage us in his Holy Spirit. He will free us. Protect us from the enemy who attacks as we hold on to his truth. It's not only when we go out and we love others and you know, protect us as the team in Guatemala and the team in China as they're going to get attacked. Protects from the enemy. But it's in our lives, our daily living, about us. What does the enemy do? Doesn't he whisper these lies? God's not going to take care of you. God doesn't love you. You know what? Guess what? A bunch of our brothers and sisters who work at Micron, they are going to get released if they haven't already. You know what the enemy wants to do? You're never going to get another job. How are you going to make it? And he wants to work. And I already was encouraged this morning. I had one brother come and say, you know what? I just got laid off. I'm excited to see what God has next for me. You see, that's the Holy Spirit working in his life saying, I'm going to do a work in you. Yeah, you just lost your job. We don't know what's next around the corner, but I'm working in you to know that you trust me. And so he just encouraged me first thing this morning, saying, hey, I'm excited to see what God has next. And I know that sounds kind of crazy. In my thinking, that doesn't sound crazy at all. That's the work of God in our lives. Amen? He will protect you in these things. Why? Because you are his beloved. May you never forget it.